Thank you for that beautiful hymn, lovely arrangement. When Pastor Phil asked me to preach in this all-women lineup sermon series on the book of Ruth, I was both excited and a bit intimidated. First of all, my own spouse happens to be a Hebrew Bible scholar who's somewhat of an expert on the book of Ruth and studies feminist and literary interpretations of it. So many of the ideas that I've developed in this sermon were sparked by our own generative conversations at home. But I also have a complicated relationship with famous heroines in the Bible. You see, I grew up thinking Esther, not Ruth, but Esther, Queen Esther, was my role model. She was beautiful, she was brave, she was smart, and she saved her people. Then I came to understand that Queen Esther was in a society where she was only given power because she was beautiful. She had to be brave because her husband could put her to death just for speaking to him. And she had to be smart so that what had happened to his previous queen wouldn't be her fate. And she saved her people because her cousin manipulated her into risking her life. So I had to ask myself, Sarah, with a PhD from Princeton, are you really so brave and smart? Or have you just learned to play the game of patriarchy really well? Ouch. My heart breaks for what Esther had to go through in that patriarchal system. We know patriarchy is alive and well today as a social structure where men hold power and domination over everyone else, particularly women. I feel a bit the same way about Ruth, not sure what to think about her. Ruth was also beautiful, brave, and smart, and she saved herself and her mother-in-law. She likely drew the attention of Boaz because she was attractive. She had to be brave because she would have starved otherwise. She had to be smart because she was a Moabite in a town with a history of deporting foreign women. And she saved herself and her mother-in-law because she was subjected to a marriage arrangement that was orchestrated by her mother-in-law and the male elders of Bethlehem. Ruth was finding her way in a patriarchal system where at every turn the cards seemed to be stacked against her. So as we read the book of Ruth, let's not forget why Ruth had to glean. Let's not forget why she was seeking another husband and that her salvation would ultimately come through giving birth to a son. That's why we read her name in Jesus' genealogy in the book of Matthew. Let's not forget that Ruth was a widowed foreign woman left alone in a patriarchal society where women didn't have any independent financial security. She could not buy her own field or provide adequately for herself and the widowed older woman who was dependent upon her. Being protected by men was their only avenue to security. In Ruth's position, being cast aside by two cultures, her only option for survival was to spend the entire day without rest, we read, in backbreaking labor 
gleaning grain by hand from patches at the edges of a field that had already been harvested. And by her own initiative, Ruth sets out to find a field that looks relatively safe so she can spend all day gleaning. In our English translations of chapter 2, verse 3, we read, As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. This verse in Hebrew would literally translate, Her chance chanced upon the part of the field belonging to Boaz. And you'll see that's what I've titled my sermon You see how much chance is emphasized in the original language. I want to draw our attention to two things with this phrase, her chance chanced upon a field. First of all, it's an obvious foreshadowing, as if the writer is winking at us while saying her chance chanced upon a field. The writer sets this up right away for hearers to realize something is about to unfold. First, we're told in verse 1 about a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech, a prominent rich man. And then we're told that Ruth announces that she's going to glean in a field. So when the author writes, her chance chanced upon a field, it's not so subtle foreshadowing. I'd like to invite you to say two things aloud with me today. First of all, to repeat this phrase with me. Her chance chanced upon a field. Can you say that together? Her chance chanced upon a field. Now I'd like to invite you to give something else a try, which we can do even while wearing face masks this morning, to turn to someone near you if you would like to, and to repeat, her chance chanced upon a field, and then try to wink after you say it, if you can. Give that a try if you would like to. Excellent. You can tell something's going on in this story. Okay. The author is trying to let let us in on something that's about to happen. Even more importantly, the first two words of this phrase her chance make Ruth the agent in this scene. It's not Naomi. It is not Boaz, who is ultimately responsible for this turn of events that is about to unfold. It's Ruth. At the end of the day, Ruth doesn't really leave things to chance. She makes her own luck. She makes her own way out of no way to use Monica Coleman's apt phrase. Ruth stands in the line of biblical women who were outcast and overlooked by a patriarchal system, and they created their own chances. So now, if you would like, I invite you to say, her chance chanced upon a field, like that, emphasizing her. And then when you say it, maybe raise your eyebrows and give a nod to emphasize that is Ruth we're talking about. Her chance, chanced upon a field. Do that if you would like. We're talking about Ruth. Okay, very good. 
Now, up to this point, Boaz hasn't done anything extraordinary. He was required under Israelite law to allow foreigners, widows, and orphans to glean the excess grain from his fields after the harvest. And in another chance-sounding phrase, the author, I think, gives us with a wink, just then, Boaz happens to be coming by on his way home from town. As Ruth is gleaning in the field, just then, Boaz notices her. He assumes she's somebody's servant, so he asks his manager who she is. The manager's response emphasizes Ruth's otherness. Ruth is a Moabite from the country of Moab. A bit redundant, don't you think? (laughs) The author is making absolutely sure we catch what's going on here, and Boaz does too. Boaz is Naomi's husband's relative, He's very wealthy and powerful. And Ruth is a foreigner from Moab, a Moabite from the country of Moab, in case you didn't catch it. You see, it's really significant in the book of Ruth that this woman who creates her own chance is from Moab. I don't think the book of Ruth is included by chance in the Hebrew scriptures. It does important work against other biblical arguments about excluding Moabites. The Moabites come from Lot, Abraham's nephew, who fathers his own daughter's children. Their descendants are the Moabites, who become many in number. After the Israelites flee slavery in Egypt, they journey through the plains of Moab, The book of Numbers portrays the Moabites as inhospitable and the Moabite women as seducing the Israelites into Baal worship. Moabites are excluded from the assembly of God's people for ten generations. After the Israelites return from exile, there's a crisis that's recorded in Ezra and Nehemiah about mixed marriages, as they're called, between ethnic Israelites and foreign peoples. Moabites are specifically mentioned. In Ezra 9 to 10, these mixed marriages are called a sign of faithlessness. The priest Ezra shamefully confesses to God that the Israelites have become, quote, unclean with the pollutions of the peoples of the lands with their abominations. The Israelite men covenant with God to send away all of their foreign wives and children. And Ezra and the leaders spend three months checking on every household to make sure the foreign women and children have been sent away, especially the Moabites. Let's take a deep breath. So even as the author of Ruth, in one way, makes it painfully obvious that something is happening in the story between Ruth and Boaz, the story also does some less obvious work. I think part of the genius of the writing of Ruth is that it doesn't come right out and say, you have heard that it was said, send your Moabite wives and children away into the desert to die, 
But I tell you to honor the Moabites and mention them in your genealogies of David and of Jesus the Messiah. No, instead of saying something like that, the book of Ruth shows rather than tells care for the Moabites and celebrates Ruth as a strong, honorable woman who makes her own chances, whose covenantal faithfulness expresses God's hesed, loving kindness. The book of Ruth subversively defies the lines that the religious community has drawn between what is pure and what is unclean, who is in and who is out. Hebrew Bible scholar Uni Lee points out that Ruth is the only book in the biblical canons that's named for a non-Israelite woman. Lee explains, quote, its title and Moabite heroine immediately raise questions of gender, ethnicity, and otherness. Because this story centers women's experiences and women's voices, biblical scholars have even seriously considered that it might have been written by a woman. Whomever the author is, this story invites us to consider how Ruth subverts patriarchy and asserts a powerful place for women in the scriptures of faith. There's a movement in this book from loss to restoration, from emptiness to fullness, which is what Ruth's name means, by the way. And at every turn, a woman moves the narrative along toward God's loving kindness. Her chance chanced upon a field. It's at this point in the narrative that Boaz steps up. Matthew's gospel suggests that Boaz himself was the son of a foreign woman, Rahab. We see that Boaz is a doer of the word, not just a hearer. He goes above and beyond to care for this widow and foreigner. Boaz invites Ruth to stay and glean in his field. He gives her social capital among his own female servants where she will be safe. He orders his male servants to leave her alone. He gives her permission to drink from the water already drawn from the well so that she doesn't have to use her energy to pull up her own water. Boaz plays his role in this patriarchal system but he does so in a way that honors and protects Ruth the Moabite. It's interesting that Boaz himself never mentions Ruth's ethnicity, but she's the one who brings it up. She questions him about it while her face is on the ground, symbolizing her powerlessness before this wealthy landowner. Why have I found favor in your sight? that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner. Ruth tests Boaz, discerning whether she can actually trust this benevolent stranger. It is only later, after she returns home to share her gleanings with Naomi, that she finds out that Boaz is a relative of her deceased husband. Boaz continues to heap favor upon favor on Ruth. Up to this point, Ruth has created her own chances. But now, 
The narrative shifts, and Boaz shows the extravagance of God's loving kindness. Again, the author makes sure we don't miss it. Boaz invites Ruth to mealtime with him and his workers. He invites her to glean among the gathered sheaves of grain, and he even instructs his own workers to pull grain out of their bundles to make it easier for her to pick up. Thanks to the chance Ruth initiated and the faithful response of Boaz, Ruth's dignity is upheld, and she has a safe way to provide food for herself and Naomi for the rest of the harvest season. From her location far from the centers of power, Ruth creates her own chance. And from Boaz's location at the center of a patriarchal system, he creates room for Ruth to thrive. As you consider this story today in Ruth chapter 2, do you find yourself in one of these positions? Are you in a position like Boaz to notice someone outside your own religious and ethnic community and to extend welcome and safety? Even as Ruth was taking a chance in coming to Boaz's field, Boaz didn't want to leave Ruth's well-being to chance. Instead, he extended loving kindness with God's intentionality. May we be faithful like Boaz, making spaces for those outside the lines to thrive. Are you striving like Ruth, to make a way out of no way. Ruth sought to provide for those depending on her in a way that maintained her own dignity and safety. May we be faithful like Ruth, gleaning in hope. Amen.